0: Well, good morning, church. It is such a pleasure that we get to open God's Word together. Why don't we continue to pray and ask God to bless our time? Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, we need you. We need you uh, more than we could even imagine. And and Lord, I, I know that I need you so much. I pray that you would give us your grace. You would give us your grace this morning as we open your word, that you would, you would fill our hearts and minds with your glory. I pray that as we, as we consider what it means for Christ to have, have, have ascended, that we would see your glory. We would recognize the grace that we have been given. And so to you be all honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Do you remember the, uh, the 2019 uh, Toronto Raptors playoff run? It was a, a pretty incredible time. I think those of us who, or those who, who didn't even watch the series probably remember the pandemonium surrounding this, especially those of us who are in and around the GTA, right? Maybe, you know, further away from, from Toronto, maybe they weren't as crazy, but I know here we saw so many people who, who had never even watched basketball before uh, just wrapped up in the incredible uh, thing that was the story of, of the Toronto Raptors coming to, uh, to face the Golden State Warriors in the championship. It was an incredible time. Do you remember that time when, uh, maybe you remember this, this, you know, what seems like such a far back time in history when thousands could gather in the streets, jam-packed close together to watch the dying seconds of this, of this game. And when it happened, when it finally happened and the buzzer went and, and, and the Raptors had won the championships, people filled the streets with shouts of, we won! It's a funny phrase, isn't it, that we hear all the time and so many of us use, we won as if we had anything to do with the victory, right? It's a funny thing, but I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll own up to it that, that I hadn't really uh, at least intentionally watched a second of basketball before Kawhi Leonard hit that iconic buzzer beater shot. But by the time the Raptors had won the championship, I knew every single player on that team. And and I was joining in the choruses of we won. Now, I I think we all know when we're saying that, that we really had nothing to do with the victory. But how quick we can be to try and associate ourselves with that victor. We knew we had nothing to do with it, and yet, yet we still were able to share in that celebration, weren't we? We still were able to share even in the wind. You saw that as they paraded through the streets of Toronto with the trophy and how there was thousands upon thousands of people gathered to share in that celebration, all because they had, they had followed the story. They had cheered them on from afar. Well, that's all fun and games, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that followers of Jesus followers of Jesus do share in his very real victory. Only his victory was over much more than just a few NBA superstars. His victory was over sin and death. And friends, when Jesus secured that victory, when Jesus secured the victory, he rose to heaven in triumph, and because of that, because of that, his followers share in the spoils of his victory. Indeed, because Jesus is victorious, we receive grace. How incredible is that? But before we get into that, let's remember where we are uh, in our text this morning so as we open God's word together remember we're in the book of Ephesians and remember as we're opening it together as our ser- uh, ser- sermon series title is together because there's a very real and very deep theme through the book of Ephesians um, of the togetherness the the um, the unity of God's people and so as we open his word, Together, let's remember that we are indeed united together, right? Whether you're joining and you're surrounded by a large family, or whether you're hiding alone to try and and, and watch this service by yourself, we are all indeed united together through Christ. And so let's remember that. I want you to be encouraged by that this morning. We're together as we hear God's word today. And if you recall, last week, we began into chapter four of Ephesians and chapter four is somewhat of a, of a hinge point in the book of Ephesians. It's the point where the author, the apostle Paul transitions from speaking of, of theology, the truth that he feels these people need to understand to, to how to live out that truth. So he transitions from theology to, to how to actually live out that theology. And this, um, this outline of the book, which it's been mentioned several times through our study here, it's important to remember. And, and I think it even bears pausing on here because we need to remember that each and every one of us, we are all theologians. Did you know that this morning? That we are all theologians? We need to remember that everything... That we do is affected by what we believe about God. Okay, everything that we do is affected and impacted by what we believe about God. And that's true for you if you are a follower of Jesus, and it's true for you if you're not a follower of Jesus. What we believe about God impacts and affects every single thing that we do. What the, why, and that's why. Paul spends the whole front half of his letter. You think about it. Sending letters in the first century was not uh, as simple as we have it today, right? We don't even have to send a letter. We can just send an email. But back then, they had to had to write it out. And and there's even good uh, uh, you know evidence to say that the Paul couldn't even have written it himself, but that he actually dictated the letter to somebody else to write so that he could send one of his uh, disciples or one of his his mem- people who are with him to walk all the way to Ephesus from where he was uh, to deliver this letter. There's a lot of work that goes into delivering a letter and he took half of that letter to talk about theology, to talk about the things that we need to know about God because that directly impacts how we live our lives. Because Again, how we live comes out of what we believe. And we saw last week as we came into chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, is that that what we believe, it drives us to unity. It drives us to unity. Paul begins that section in verse 1. By saying, by saying, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So in light of all the theology that I've just taught you, walk in a manner worthy of that. And he goes on, for the, up until verse 6, to say that, that this is unity based on these foundational truths of what we believe. And then right out of that, we get to our text this morning right out of this, this be unified in our foundational truth. And then we get right into our text in in verses 7 through 10. And so please follow along with me in your copy of God's word um, as I read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. But grace was given Brothers and sisters, as, as Paul continues to expand upon what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, he, he, he goes on here and he answers every single objection that we could ever muster up, right? So, so in verses 1 through 6, we're given kind of several things in which, which we walk, right? He says, you know, God told us to walk in humility, Right, but we say, but, but if I don't puff myself up, then who's going to do it? Right, who's going to be the one to, to, to speak for me if I, don't, if I don't puff myself up? God says to walk in in gentleness, and we say, yeah, but they were harsh to me first. Right, God says to be patient. We say, okay, but for, but for how long? Right, God says to live at peace with one another, but we say, but they don't, they don't think and believe the same things as, as I do. Right, and, and to all of these objections, Paul here reminds us that that in our passage today that, that followers of Jesus have been given an infinite grace because of the victory of Christ. Followers of Jesus have been given an infinite grace because of Jesus' victory. Amen to that. Did you ever, do you ever find yourself questioning whether you can actually fulfill what you've been called to do? Do you ever find yourself questioning, saying, can I actually do this, Lord? Listen, friends, we have all, and I think if we're honest, are all there. You're not alone in that. But perhaps, um, but for that, there is grace. There is grace. But perhaps we should, we should pause here to consider what, what's actually meant by grace. What do we actually mean by grace? Because I think that we can, we so often underappreciate what this word actually means. It's a, it's a small word and it's a, it's a very well used word. But, but I think we often underappreciate what it means because it's one of these words that that seems and is used in simplistic ways but but it means so much more. It has such big ideas behind it, and it's, it's, which is just really another reason why I'm saying we need to, to get into the theology and what we believe because it impacts how we, how we live. And I think we often think of grace as this idea of, you know, I'm just being, I just need to get left, let off the hook, right? Like, I, I, I kind of dropped the ball. I need you to just show me grace, okay? And that is a part of it, but that's not all of it. Author Paul Tripp says, Grace is freely given love, forgiveness, acceptance, and help from God. All right, let me say that again. Grace is freely given love, forgiveness, acceptance, and help from God. And what I think we're seeing expressed here in our text is a holistic view of that definition. Right? It is all of the freely given. Love and for, love of God. It's all of the freely given forgiveness of God. It's all of the freely given acceptance from God, and it's all of the freely given help from God, for followers of Jesus. So friends, when, when we find ourselves questioning, "How on earth am I able to do this?" And, and remember, the, the disciples of Jesus, they asked him the same question. Remember when Jesus met the rich young ruler and he told him, you sell all of your things and give to the poor. And his disciples said, who can do this? It's impossible. What did Jesus say? He said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So when you ever ask yourself, how on earth am I going to do this? You need to tell yourself, I can't on earth. But Jesus, Jesus gives us grace. Our text today shows us that for that, there is grace. Now, now maybe you've heard me qualify my few, myself a few times here with the words, follower of Jesus. That this grace is, is for followers of Jesus because I think it's important for us to remember and realize that this, free, this grace is indeed freely given. And this grace is indeed free, But it came at a very great cost. And it came at the cost of the life of Christ. And so we can only partake if we're found in him. See, Jesus, he freely gives the spoils of his victory. He does, but we must first pay homage to him as king. right? Not just with lip service. Either, not just with lip service, but with our whole lives. And so, friends, the very first step in claiming this grace is claiming Christ Himself. It's claiming Christ Himself. Now, if that's you today, if that's you today, I have very good news for you. You, yes, you have been given grace, you are given grace. You know, uh, YouTube is, is a fascinating platform to me because it can be as complex or as, um, as simple as you want to make it, right? Like it, if you're just looking to watch funny videos of animals, you, there, that's there. You can do that. If you just need some information about how to fix that very specific part on your dishwasher, that's there. You can watch that. Right, but if, if you want to go a level deeper, there's whole communities based around specific topics. Right, there's whole communities that are that are surrounding specific interests. Uh, for um, for myself, um, I find myself around you know these crafts people who who make things. They call themselves makers. Right, and so so you, you there's whole communities based in these comment sections, and and there's different creators who who all you know work together and they make videos together, and and there's whole communities based around this. Right, And then, if you want to get even deeper, you can pay money and, and get into their exclusive content where, the, you know, in, in the sake of the creative people, then that's just more information on how they made whatever it is that they, they made. So the more you pay, the more you want to commit to, the more you get. Right, friends? Listen to me. Not so with Christ. Not so with Christ. Look again at verse 7. But grace was given to who? Each one of us. To each one of us, there is no pay-for-play level with Christ. There is no pay-for-play level with Christ. There is only his followers and not. It's not like we have his followers and then within his followers, you can pay that extra bit of money or you can, you know, oh, I'm going to get into vocational ministry. That will get me another level higher. No, that's not what it says. It says that grace was given to each and every one of us. In this one phrase, every notion that only super Christians are able to actually follow Jesus is washed away. Now, next week, Pastor John, he's going to be showing us from the, from the, the verses that follow our passage that there's particular leadership roles that are, are given as a gift to the church to help equip us saints in that. But, but today, in our passage here, Paul says that all of us, that is, every believer in Christ, is given the same level of grace. The same level of grace. And so hear me, if you've been saved for two minutes, like if you started watching this this message and, and you weren't a follower of Jesus and something happened through the Holy Spirit in you and you are now a follower of Jesus, or if you have been a follower of Jesus for 50 years, we each have the same access to the grace of Christ. That same grace is ours, whether you work in vocational ministry or not. We all have the same access to grace. Why? Because we didn't earn it. We didn't earn it. There's no amount of money that we could pay to earn grace. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he puts it that all ministers and all the members of Christ owe all the gifts and graces that they are possessed of to him. And this is a good reason that we should walk in love with one another because of every one of us is given grace. None of us earn grace. It is freely given. And in our text, Paul shows us how it's freely given. It's not earned by by tying this grace to Christ's victory. Okay, look again at verse 8. It says, Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Right here, Paul seems to be quoting from from Psalm 68. And so, so what's the purpose of this? One commentator says that the essence of Psalm 68 is a military victor has the right to give gifts to those who are identified with him. Okay, so a military victor has the right to give gifts to those who are identified with him. That's that's the overarching theme here of Psalm 68 that he's quoting. And in verses 9 and 10 of our passage, Paul himself gives some extra commentary, right? And he shows that this psalm is actually speaking of Jesus, It's actually speaking of Jesus. And he says, when Jesus ascended to heaven, it was in celebration of his victory over sin and death. And in that victory, he gave the gift of grace to his people. He gave the gift of grace to his people. And so, brothers and sisters, let me ask you, do you need grace today? Do you need grace today? Jesus has freely given it to you. So find it in him. Do you feel bogged down in the battle of a sin that just won't seem to to go away? It just keeps seeming to rear its head in your life over and over and over again. Brother, sister, do not dismay. Don't give in. Keep battling and turn to Christ because he has given you grace to fight. Are you burdened? Are you burdened by a relationship that you just can't seem to get right? Maybe you have a a friend or a family member who you just can't seem to make up with. Do not give in. Don't give up. Rather, seek Christ and seek the grace that he has given freely to you as a follower of him to, to work in that relationship and to work through you. He can be your strength. Are you terrified? Are you terrified every time that a conversation with a coworker or a neighbor or a family member turns to spiritual things? Don't fear. Do not be afraid. Maybe you're afraid of of seeming weird or or of losing a friend. Do not be afraid, but rather come to Jesus for his freely given grace. And he will give you boldness. He'll give you boldness to share the truth that you know they need. So i will ask you again. Do you need grace today? I know I do. I know I do. Find it in Jesus. He has freely given you grace. Now now our finite human minds, our finite human selves, insist that there must be an end. There must be an end to that grace. There must be a limit, right? Because if it's our own selves, there's a limit. And that's why the standard by which we measure this grace is so important. Right, think about it. If I was going to make bake a cake with my two little girls, and and we were looking at the recipe, we're going through this recipe together, and it says that I need I need a cup of flour, okay. But instead of grabbing the cup measure, I go over to the drawer and I grab the teaspoon measure, and I measure out my flour, and I put it into the bowl, and I say, "Great, we're good to go." We're gonna have a problem with that, aren't we? Right, we're gonna be in trouble. Why? Because we use the wrong standard. We use the wrong measure. And the the measure by which we measure this grace is the key. Right? And and so to that, the Apostle Paul clarifies in verse 7, right? That this grace is according to what? The measure of Christ's gift. The measure of Christ's gift. Indeed, we finite humans are limited. We are. And our grace. It has an end, doesn't it? Our grace has an end. Not so with Christ. Not so with Christ. No, brothers and sisters, you have, you have been not only been given grace, you have been given an infinite grace. You've been given an infinite grace. And so what is the measure of Christ's gift? Well, well there's a reason why Paul immediately begins to speak of the ascension. You see, Christ's gift is measured in his glory. Christ's gift is measured in his glory. So so how big is that? Look at verse 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended. How far? Far above all the heavens, that he might fill how much? All things. That he might fill all all things. He ascended or he went up above the heavens. In other words, if you were to go outside, look out your window right now, you would see, might see tall trees that are way taller than than you. He went higher than that. You look out into the, the clouds, up into the sky, you see clouds. He went way above the clouds. He went above the stars that you see on a clear night up north, right? He went further. Listen, this is a big one. He went further than Elon Musk could ever dare dream of going. Christ rose higher. Christ, when he finished his work on earth, he went to the very throne room of God. He went to the very throne room of God and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, assuming his role back in glory. Now, now I've been talking about theology and how theology is important. So let's take a moment here just to map Christ's journey from glory to glory. See, he began from the beginning, dwelling together in perfect harmony with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, where in glory. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. From the be- very beginning, Jesus was in glory. And then, and then he descended. He descended from that glory, as verse 9 of our text says. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended? Or as Philippians 2.7 says, he emptied himself by, ta- by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And so Christ went from glory and then he descended. And here, here he lived a sinless life. He lived a sinless life, as Hebrews 4.15 reminds us of. But even in the midst of that sinlessness, he he obediently went to the cross to die. And he died that death. Why? To take the punishment for our sins. Only, he did not stay dead. He did not stay dead. No, he rose again in the resurrection. And it was in that moment As we read about in 1 Corinthians 15, that that Christ overcame death. It was in that moment that he defeated his enemies. It was in that moment that he won the battle. Praise be to God. But it was in the ascension, it was in the ascension, as we're told about in Acts chapter 1, that he sealed that victory. It was in the ascension that he rose in triumph. And he rode into the city, into the throne room of God in triumph of his victory. And now he is seated again in glory, from glory to glory. There and back again, a Savior's tale by God alone. And being back in glory, being back in glory, he's crowned ruler. Of all things. Not just a few things. Not just most things. But all things. And in a beautiful way, when Jesus assumed his throne, he was able to fill all things. Not just a few things. Not just most things. But all things. You see, brothers and sisters, here's the beautiful paradox the beautiful paradox is that in ascending further than we could farther that we could ever imagine, Jesus was able to become closer to us than we could ever fathom. In ascending further than we could ever dare imagine, he has made himself closer to us than we could ever fathom by sending the Holy Spirit to dwell, not just side by side, not just amongst his people, but in their very souls. In our very souls. You see, we do not measure, we do not measure the grace of Christ off of our own teaspoon sized amount of grace. No. We measure it by the grace we've been given, by the infinite measure of Christ's gift. We have been given an infinite grace. And what that means. That means is that there is no sin. There is no sin too great or too rooted to, be, to overcome the grace of Christ. So if you're watching this today and you're saying, you know what, I feel this yearning in my soul that I need to come to Christ, but I'm just, I'm too messed up. I've done too many bad things. I'm, I'm too set in my ways. Hear me, you are not too much of a sinner for the grace of Christ. You have no sin, Christian, that is too rooted to be overcome by the grace of Christ. You say, but I like that one too much. It is not too much for the grace of Christ. The infinite grace of Christ. Come to him and he freely will give you an infinite grace. This means that there is no relationship that is too broken for the infinite grace of Christ. If he can renew the relationship between us, a sinful people, and a perfect God, what makes us think that he cannot give us grace to work our relationships here and now? This means that there is no context too dangerous for us to bring the gospel by the grace of Christ. Whether that means your coworkers or neighbors. Or whether he is calling you today to a far off people group that terrifies you. The infinite grace of Christ is able to give you the power. If he's the one who told us to bring the gospel to the nations. Then what makes us think he won't give us the grace to actually go and do it? The infinite Infinite grace of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have been given an infinite grace by the victory of Jesus. The truth is that after the Raptors won their championship victory, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep watching. You know, I enjoyed that, that playoff run so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep watching. Okay, but, but I'm here to tell you it took like less than a season and I was off that bandwagon. That's just, that's just the truth. Okay? Why? Because their victory wasn't enough to sustain me. Their victory wasn't enough to sustain me. But in, in his victory, Jesus Christ, he, he gives each of us, Each of us, each and every one of us, the grace that we need not only to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, but he also gives us the grace that will bring us home and sustain us to the end. Do you need grace today? Do you need grace today? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus because he gives us an infinite grace because of his victory. Praise God for the infinite grace of Christ. Let's pray. Holy Father, precious Lord, King Jesus, we are humbled when we look upon you on your throne. Praise you, Jesus, that you ascended from this earth and are now seated in glory. And because of that, you fill all things. And because of that, you gave us a grace, an infinite grace. Oh Lord, we need it. We need it every second of every minute of every hour of every day to sustain us. So we lean into you, Lord Jesus. If there's anyone here, there's anyone who's listening in on this message that does not know you, would you fill them with your grace, your all-sufficient grace? They would know that you are King Jesus. Lord, we love you. We need you. And we ask your grace upon us. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.